week 11, cancer and crowns. I'm excited. Y'all excited? Cancer and crowns. Well, we're in Romans 7, and I want to remind you the last time we were in this series, Solutions, we were in a message called No More Dead Living, that living under the ownership of the living God is what we're called to do instead of being a slave to the dead sin nature of your old self. That you don't let sin control you, you give yourself to the new you that he gave you a way to walk into. When we are reborn, there is a new nature and you choose whether or not you get to know that new nature or you can walk into the old nature that's actually dead. And many people still walk in an old nature and they don't want to get to know a new nature. It's easier to know the old self because you grew up with the old self. You know the old self. But the old self when you are reborn is actually the dead you. And walking by faith and not by sight is not just trying to call down miracles or provisions from heaven. But walking by faith and not by sight is also, I don't see who this new Kyle is. But I'm going to walk into what God declares who I am, even though all I see is I'm not right. But God declares that my new nature is right before him. So I'm not going to walk according to what my old says, old man says that I can or cannot do. I'm going to walk according to what my new nature risen in Christ says I can or cannot do. And in him, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. And if God tells me I can do it and I'm going to do it, I don't care what held me back before. I'm not going to live according to my old man. I'm going to live according to the new one. And you do not earn the gift of a new life that does not die. The new life is eternal. There is eternal life in Christ. You don't earn that gift. He bought it for you through the wage of death so that you could have life. Not just eternal life in heaven, but eternal life the moment you're reborn. Life in the moment you're reborn into a new reality, a redeemed nature. He says, I have redeemed you so that you can have life and life more abundantly. That's not just when you get to heaven. That is life starting now in a, in a new way. And you will have life and life and life and life and life. You'll have life in places that you thought you could never have life again. You can, you'll, you can have life in places that you think you're not worthy to. That's why when people say you can't get remarried after you've been divorced, well, God says you can have life in that dead place. So shut your religious mouth up. Amen? Anyways. Today we're going to get into Romans 7, but I want to read a passage of Scripture from last week that kind of sets us up for this because it's kind of the same context, but we're going a little deeper. In, in, in Romans 6, verse 14, I want to remind you of this scripture. It says, sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. 
We are no longer under the requirements of the law, but we live under grace. Amen? But with that, questions arise. Well, what about the law of marriage? Let's read this again. Look at it. Sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Well, what about the law of marriage? You're telling me that I don't have to live under the requirements of marriage? What about the law of reaping and sowing? What about the law of gravity? I'm pretty sure that when I got saved, I'm still standing on solid ground. I, 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 you know, I believe I can fly, but I ain't flying. What about the idea that we may not be saved by law, but it doesn't make the law bad? Because law isn't a bad thing, but we sure do like to talk about law in a bad way. So Paul is going to address this question. Well, we're no longer living under the requirements of the law, but there's still law that we're somewhat bound to, right? So Paul wants to talk about it. Does this make sense? So in verse 1, Romans chapter 7, he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? Don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? The Greek word here for law actually has no the attached to it. So it's not talking about a specific law. It's not talking about the, 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 the Mosaic law you know, or, or the law of Moses. It's not talking about the Ten Commandments. It's not talking about the Levitical law. It's not talking about a specific set of law. It's talking about the general concept of law. It's referring to a broad principle that law has dominion over man. It says, you who are familiar with the concept of the governing idea of law, don't you know that law applies only while you're living? There is a general law that all people abide by. It's a principle. The law of gravity. Law of reaping and sowing. The law of marriage. Right? And Paul actually uses the law of marriage to illustrate the point that when you die, you no longer are under the contract of that law. You following? Look at verse 2. For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. If you ever need a scripture to back up why a woman can get married after her husband or so-and-so dies, here, like, can a widow or a widow or marry again? Here's the scripture. Look here. If he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she will be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. In other words, there is a principle in our very creation. Death ends all obligations and all contracts. When you die, you're out of the obligation of the law. When you die... You join the Father. 
or not. When you die, you are out of the obligation of the law of gravity because you are no longer bound by your flesh. When you die, the marriage contract ends, as Paul so describes. Once you're dead, the contract's dead. So, verse 4, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you're united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When you put your faith in Jesus, you die and you're reborn into a new you, which is actually the you that he knew before you were birthed. And in that death, being reborn, contracts are broken. Are y'all following this? Y'all quiet. In death... You are no longer bound to the power of law that said you are not worthy of heavenly places. Law says you've got to get this right and this right and this right. You've got to dress like that. You've got to make sure you have all your prayers said. You've got to make sure you go to temple three times a day. You've got to make sure you do this. But when you are dead... You are no longer obligated to a law that says, unless you get the law right, you can't enter into heaven. Jesus says, let me make a way for you to die to that contract. So that when you are born again, the only contract that you're under is my ability to make you right. So no matter how much law you break, you're no longer under that contract which makes you unworthy of heavenly places. I know. (laughs) Now that you are resurrected to new life, it says now you can produce. Now you can produce. Because you're free from a law that said you are not worthy to produce. I'm going somewhere. Here's the catch. That so many get wrong and use grace for the wrong thing. You're not free from law so that you can live for yourself. Look at what it says. It says, you die to the law, or to the what? Power of the law, and now, someone shout now. Now. You are what? United with the one who was raised from the dead. You're not free from the law so that you can live for yourself. You are free from the contract so that you can get remarried with somebody. Because marriage breaks in death. And now that you are dead to the marriage of the law, you can get remarried or united with something else, with someone else. And his name is Jesus. 
He says, I have made a way for you to die so that you can marry someone that you didn't have the right to marry. Does it make sense? The problem is we don't like to get married. We just want to date. We say, how can I date Jesus and use him to my advantage? I'll pray for favor, but I will not sacrifice so that I can produce something for his glory. Lord, give me favor over my finances. Give me favor over my family. Give me favor. Give me blessings. And the Lord says, serve. Lord, I don't have time. Because you'll date him when you have time in your schedule. But when he asks you to sacrifice so that he gets glory and you don't, it's, oh, I don't have time for that. Because the fact of the matter is where the church has gotten, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about people. Where the church has gotten is we want God to work for us, but we don't want to do anything that would just, we are interested in our glory and not his. Everything we pray is me. Lord, give me. Lord, bless me. Lord, do this for me. And God says, I have made a way for you to die, not so that you can live for you, but so that you could enter into a marriage that you never had a right to enter into. And in this marriage, it's about the groom's glory. And if you would get about the groom's glory, a perfect groom will take care of his bride. Because a good husband will make sure that the bride shares in his glory. <laughs> what? Y'all okay? I, I just got some of the men in trouble in here. <laughs> Marriage. It's a culturally recognized union between two people that establishes rights and obligations. You're dead to the obligation of law and you're alive to the obligation of marriage to Jesus who you have no right to marry. And when you're married to him, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of your husband. Do it all for the glory of God. I'll probably get smacked in the face for saying this, but I'm going to. Last week, I had a very loving person in the church come to me and said, you know, Pastor, everything flows from the head down. I said, yeah, it does. He said, that includes health. But you know why they said it? Because they care about my temple. And then I read this verse. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it 
all. Do you eat for the glory? Or do you eat for your glory? Because I can tell you, when I'm at jalapenos, I am not eating for God's glory. Think about what drunkenness is. You are indulging for your glory. Instead of getting lost in his, you're getting lost in your own. Is this okay? All for the glory of God, not to earn anything, but as a response of a gift of marriage that we could never earn. Do it all for the glory of the groom that you were not worthy to marry, but because death broke a contract, now you can marry the perfect one. And if you want to get real, we are called the bride of Christ. Well, there's a bride and there's a groom. If there's a bride and a groom, no matter what the world says, there is a husband and there is a wife. I want y'all to say that loud. There's a husband, there is a wife. wife. Proverbs 12.4. A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. What is this message called? Cancer and crowns. A worthy wife, a worthy bride, is a crown for the groom. But a disgraceful bride is like cancer in the bones of the groom. Maybe that's why the church has become ineffective because we look like cancer instead of a crown. Maybe that's why in Revelation 3.16 he says, I'm going to spit lukewarm church out my mouth because I don't want cancer living inside. <laughs> Psalm 8, 4 through 5. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? You made them a little lower than God. Now, some versions say a little lower than what? Angels. But if you go to the original Greek and Hebrew, it doesn't say angels. It says Jehovah. You want to you know why it says angels? Because man, did government, people, don't like the implications that man is made above in the hierarchy of God, man, angels. They want to put us under angels, and that's why people don't know how to command angels into assignment. We're actually told that angels will be, we, we are holding account for angels. That's scripture. Did you know that you can send angels on assignment? Did you know that when you pray and you've got family in so-and-so state, you can say angels go? 
Angels, I'm sending you on assignment to take care of so-and-so 300 miles away. But we don't know that. Because we think this whole thing is just about Jesus saved me, let me live a hundred miserable years on earth so that I can live thousands of years in heaven. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Well, I'll tell you what they are. You made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You did what? Crown them. With glory and honor. They don't deserve glory. They don't deserve honor. But a good husband shares glory and honor that he gets with his wife. And the groom says, I want my glory and honor shared with my bride. But I don't want my bride looking anything but a crown. And if you look like cancer, I ain't going to do a thing with you. And that's why you got cities like Savannah who got a bunch of cancer claiming they crowns. Why ain't nothing changing? Because cancer eats up stuff and kills it. And that's exactly what the church has been doing. We condemn when people are already condemned by their own stuff. We don't, what Jesus didn't come to, he, he came and, and started bringing people out of their dead places. And the church don't know how to do that. We want to condemn people to make us feel better about who we are. And God says, I've taken care of that. I let you die so that you could re remarry to share in a glory that you couldn't get because now you're my bride. And you never had a right to marry me, but now you do. Is it okay? The, the solution for the earth is that we look like crown, not cancer spreading. Why did we have to die? Look at verse 5. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused those evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. Why do you have to die to the power of the law? Because we were never designed to produce death. And before we were made new in him, it says law aroused evil desires that produced the fruit of sin, not spirit. What the heck does that mean? It simply means this. Law defines something that we should have been blind to. Think about the garden. We ate from the knowledge of both good and evil. We were never supposed to have the knowledge of good and evil. Which means if we never had the knowledge of good or evil... We never needed something to define either of those things. But because we got knowledge of stuff we were never supposed to have knowledge of, something had to define what was bad and what was good. Because we live in a world where we're now exposed to all of it. 
good and evil. Law had to define what you were blind to before so that you could make a decision to walk in it or not. Does this make sense? Verse 6. But now, there's a lot of those in the Bible. But now we've been released from the law for we died to it and we're no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Law does not sanctify you or justify you. Law does not take you deeper. Law does not make you more holy. It simply defines what's dead. And now that we're released from the power of having to live according to it, we can live now according to who we serve. Not an outline. The catch is when you live by the Spirit and not the law, you'll walk in accordance with the law without ever even having to understand the law, which you were never supposed to be exposed to. Because everything by the Spirit's leading fulfills what the law was trying to define for you. Because the Spirit will never lead you into anything that didn't line up with law. That's what it means when he says, I fulfilled, not abolished, the law. It's not that the law's bad. But I, when you define something you weren't supposed to be exposed to, something in your dead man is going to resonate with what's being defined. Is this making sense? Cancer rules by laws of its makeup. It wreaks havoc in someone, and the outward display of it is death and decay. When you live by the law, you may think you're good inside. But your legalism makes you look ugly and unfit as a bride. Because all your focus is, let me get it right, let me get it right, let me get it right, and no one wants to be around you. Well, when the Spirit led Jesus, everyone wanted to be around him. Because they saw him crowned with something before they put a crown of thorns on him. They just couldn't define the crown. They just saw something different. I don't know why I'm doing this. I ain't got no hair. Just walking by faith. New man. New nature. Grow in the name of Jesus. But when you put on a crown... Glory is displayed. And you can't earn a crown. It has to be placed on you by a king. You cannot get that unless you die to the power of law and come alive to a marriage to the king. So Paul's insisting we must die to law in order to bear God's fruit and not harvest death and decay, you legalistic Pharisees. So, well, does that mean there's something wrong with law? 
Verse 7. Well, then, am I suggesting that the law of God is simple? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. Let me explain what Paul's saying. The law deals with cancer. It's kind of like this. The law is the x-ray machine that reveals what's hidden inside of you. And you can't blame the x-ray machine for the presence of cancer. But when the x-ray machine defines, or the MRI, or whatever the correct thing is, when it defines what's inside of you, you can either turn a blind eye to it and let it run rampant and let it destroy you, or you can deal with it. And what the message of the church has become, the grace message is, once cancer is exposed... By the law, grace has said, it's okay, just let the cancer stay there. Jesus loves you. That is not what Jesus came to do. He says, if you live by a different leading, not by the leading of the x-ray machine called the law, but the leading of the one that has the power to deal what the law exposed, It doesn't allow the cancer to stay in the church. It gets rid of the cancer in the church. And I replace it with what you should have had all along, a crown of glory and honor. Look at what he says. I would never have known that covenant is wrong if the law had not said you must not covenant. We know we have sin in us because law defined it. Law defined the cancer that we had. Look at verse 8. But sin used this command to arouse all kind of covetous desires within me. If there was no law, sin would not have that power. Paul says what sin does, it takes the law and the warning of don't do this thing that I'm showing you and sin starts talking to you. Do it anyways. Right? It isn't the law's fault. It isn't God's fault. It isn't the cancer's fault. It's your fault. And you can choose to live blaming how hard the law is or how hard a life with God is, or you can claim cancer as your natural, or you can get reborn under grace to enter into a marriage that you don't deserve and wear a crown that you didn't earn to display glory through fruit that you can never bear. But the church still looks like cancer. This is good. Verse 9. At one time, I lived without the understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life. And I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. 
power of sin and how hard it works. We're dead, and when we were made aware of what good and what's bad by the law, we now have a mindset of right and wrong, and then sin starts to attack your mindset. And the result, death is produced because we're now held accountable to knowledge. That's why when the Bible talks about the darkest dark, is darkness that thinks it's light. Because it's a, it's a knowledge that's been corrupted. Adam and Eve, they weren't righteous. They were innocent. Why? Because they didn't know good and evil. <laughs> See, she's, she, she, she's getting it. But literally, but after they knew, after we knew, and law defined that knowing that we did not know how to define, spiritual death is brought because we immediately want a relationship with law and not the giver of the crowns. Think about it. Immediately they knew they were naked. They didn't run back to God. They ran back to the law of cover-up nakedness. And that covered up. And God said, didn't say, what'd you do? What'd you cover up with? He said, where are you? That's what we do. It attacks our mindset. We start to try to get the law. We try to have a relationship with, I got to get it right. I got to get this part of my life. And no, get in the marriage. Invest in your relationship. I just got to get right. You're made right. You can't do it better than the groom did it. Stop trying. Well, I just got to get right in my relationship with God. You can't. That should be the biggest relief off of your shoulders. Let me get right in my relationship with God. You can't. You couldn't. The law couldn't, nothing could, except one person who allowed you to die so that you could marry into something that you could never marry to before, and that's a righteous king who said, here's your crown. Now let's deal with the cancer. <laughs> Why does the church have no life? Cancer has spread because we're held accountable to knowing and most of the church knows our stuff has been exposed and we don't want to be made right and walk in it. We just want to feel better about what we have. So we come up to the altar and we get prayed for the same things every week instead of coming up to the altar for moving forward in a new thing. See, that, that's something I've come to realize. There's... The issue is not the altar call. The issue is people who rely on the altar call to make you feel better about your cancer. <laughs> we don't need to feel better about dead living. We need to enter into a spirit-led life only made accessible to being reborn with a right to marry in to a kingdom. 
This okay? Verse 11. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. The law does not deceive. Sin deceives. We need to know the truth so the sin cannot use law to hold you. Because in John 8.32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What does it set you free from? The lie that the law is the issue. (laughs) But the law is also not the remedy. It's not the issue. It's not the remedy. It's the thing that defines your need for the remedy. Think about it like this. The greatest deception of Satan, law calls something bad, and you view it as good, and it kills you that you can't do it because of law. And for some reason, you start to crave what law has drawn a boundary for. That's what it means when it says the law has aroused something in me of my nature to start walking into sin. Law defines you can't have sex before marriage. And the human condition hates that. So you start this tug of war with Why can't I? Why do you have to put this boundary on me? The law has defined something that's not ever supposed to be of you. And your dead man starts to talk to the new man trying to get your new mind in line with a dead mindset. And that's why there's a war with your mind, which is why he always says, be transformed by renewing your mind because your old mind still likes what the law defined as cancerous living. And we justify cancer. The church loves to justify cancer. We call it grace. We don't want to deal with the issue. Everyone, we just want you to feel welcome. And the way we're going to make you feel welcome is we're never going to help expose anything in your life. We want you to live like hell. We want you to represent everything but Jesus and make you feel better about the fact that we put welcome home signs and you can come in here and we're going to worship the Lord and you can worship how you want and you don't have to do anything else. But as long as you give your money, though. And that's exactly what the church has done. And it's no different than the temple that Jesus walked into and started flipping tables. 
He said, he looked at the Pharisees. You wear your phylacteries, your prayer boxes on your sleeves, making everyone look. Look at how holy I am. I go to prayer service. I, 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 I know the scriptures. I, I, I have my reading plan. But they're full of cancer because they love their cancer as long as they're getting the x-ray machine tuned. The law. Think about the, the man that came to Jesus. Well, Jesus, I got all the law right. I've got my x-ray machine tuned. It, it's, it's good. I got all the law right. And Jesus says, okay, well, you know all that money you earn? Leave it all behind. Sell all your positions. Follow me. I'll take cancer. Is the church really that far away? Because think about what... Think about what would happen if the pastor said, we're going to sign over our lease, never meet in the building again, and we're just going to meet in homes, and when we're going to worship together, we're just going to take an acoustic guitar, and we're just going to meet in the park and worship Jesus. You'd find another place that had AC and good programs. And you call it led by the Spirit. You're laughing, and, the, and those of you that ain't laughing... That's called conviction. I got to expose it if we're going to get it out. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to. Hmm. Where am I at? John 8 32. Okay. Verse 13. Is this okay? How can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death so we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me for I'm also human a slave to sin. The law provoking sin is actually a good thing. Why? It exposes what's lying dormant. What's lying dormant? A part of you that's rebellious to the new groom that you just remarried into. Thank you, law, for revealing cancer that has tried to stay hidden within me. I don't want cancer. I want the world not to see cancer. I want them to see a crown of glory and honor not so that I get credit for glory and honor, but so that they can see the one who is glory and honor. Right? What does church do? There's cancer in me. Thank you, God, for making it okay that I have cancer. No, God says, die to that. I've got a crown of victory for you so that you can display my glory, so that the dead see something on you that they don't even know they're yearning for, and they see a glow, and it isn't even the crown. The glow is me. Cancer and crowns. Verse 15. I don't really understand myself. This is Paul talking. This is probably where most of us are at, or at some point, because I know most of you are perfect. Verse 15. Verse 15. I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Anybody ever been there? Instead, I do what I hate. That's like jalapenos.
But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that law is good. So in other words, if I know it's wrong, thank the Lord there is something that has defined right and wrong with my knowledge of good and evil. Right? So, verse 17, I'm not the one, I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. You have a dead nature, and you've got a new nature. Your new nature ain't the thing that's sinning. That's hard for you to grasp. Because if your new nature was sinning, why would you want to get the old one in line with it? You're still dying to old nature to get to the new nature that is perfected unto righteousness. <laughs> this, is, this, this, this is making so much sense. I'm not the one doing the wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want, I, new nature, I, the one that I'm getting to know, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I, the new nature, the one that I'm trying to walk in, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Paul lays it out. It isn't a lack of desire to do what's right. He knows the right thing. His problem is he has a lack of power to perform and do. And he says simply, I can't. I can't. I know what's right, but I cannot do it. Right? Why? You can live by all day, but it get, you can live by law all day, but it gives you no power. But when you start to come alive in a spirit-led life, you are reborn as someone who can allow him to lead you in what you cannot do by yourself. Because you'll never be able to when your nature is naturally sinful. When you sin, you are acting against your new nature as the new man in Christ. So you own up to your sin and realize that the impulse to do that does not come from who you really are. It comes from an old thing that's dead. So the Lord says, die to yourself and be led by the one who gives you power to live in the new you that can because the new you is not led by your desires the new you is not even led by what the law defines the new you is led by someone who gives you a power to do things that you couldn't how do I break free from strongholds not by understanding that it's a stronghold. By being led by someone who has the power to break the stronghold. You can know what a stronghold is all day. You can know that you're addicted to, you know, 
cocaine and alcohol all day. You'll never get free from it unless you meet and have a relationship with the one who has power that you don't to break it. Same thing with your religion. Same thing with your pride. You can define it all day. But it's not enough to define it. You have got to meet the one that you claim to be married to that has the power you need. So own up to your sin and realize I need something that I don't have. Power. I need power. When I'm weak, I'm strong. What if weakness is realizing the humility of I can't without him? I'm, I hope that the Lord is bringing stuff to your mind right now that you've been struggling with that you can't get out of. You want to know why you can't get out of it? Because you're still trying to. Verse 20. If I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really doing the wrong. Do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's a sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. Let me just pause right here. There has been a ridiculous number of men and women of God, pastors and preachers and theologians, who are denouncing their faith, who are falling into sin and being removed from their position in churches. You want to know why? They know all the stuff, but it don't matter what you know. There is a power lacking that is giving them the ability to walk out of the stuff they know what's wrong because no matter how much they know, the weakness of all is that you can't. Can't. I did it. No, you didn't. And if you think you did it, let me just give you a piece of scripture advice. Your pride exalts itself before the fall. And if you don't start giving God credit for what you got out of, you're about to fall again and realize how much power you need. I don't understand how that person could live this life with God and denounce faith. Just because they knew about him and knew the Bible from front to back does not mean they were led. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul says the old man sinning is not the real me. He is dead. My flesh is not the real me. The old man is not the real me. There is a law in you that exists as a slave to sin, and you have to die to that man and walk in the awakening of a new man. 
there will always be a war with the old man under a sin nature and a new man that has been completely set free from that sin nature. How? The last verse in chapter 7. Thank God. Just thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Look outside of self and look to the one who is the conqueror of the power of sin. The only victory is in the groom who put a crown on people who have come to accept cancer. And the only way that the church is going to get rid of cancer, get rid of sin, get rid of looking like the opposite of what our God is. We were made in the likeness of his image. That means when people see us, they should not be repelled. But they don't see a crown of glory and honor on the church. They see, ugh, I don't want that. I don't want them. I don't want what they got. I, they are horrible. They're condemning. They're not loving. I don't like them. I... Jesus didn't have to have a marketing campaign. He walked and people went after him because there was something about him that they had been yearning for that they did not understand they even needed. And he says, if you will die to yourself, that death breaks the contract of the power of law. And you're free to get remarried. But I don't want you to date me. I want you to marry me. And if you marry me, they won't see the cancer. Because if you marry me, cancer don't stand a chance. The only thing that can remain is glory and honor. We've got to stop trying to fix us and surrender to the one, the only one that can. I declare that we walk into a day where we realize the grace to be married. Not the grace to sin. Not the grace to live in the old man. The grace to be married as the new man in Christ Jesus. No more cancer. Only crowns. Amen. Let's stand and give God praise tonight. Come on. Come on. Let's give God some praise. Let's lift our hands. Lord, we just thank you that you made a way for us to die. Can we just thank him for that? Thank you, Lord, that you made a way for us to die so that we could be reborn, so that we would be able to remarry and re-identify as the new, the new man, the new woman in you, Jesus. 
that we no longer have to walk with this cancer spreading, this sin issue all within us. It doesn't, we don't want it to stay. We don't want it to stay attached. We want one thing to display glory and honor, not so that we would get it, but that so people would see you, that we would be the mirror image of you on this earth so that when people see our lives and people see the way we react and the way we walk and the way we love, they say why, they say what, they say what's going on, and all we can say is Jesus, 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 that you would get the glory, that you would get the honor. No more cancer, only crowns. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen? Amen. Love you guys.